It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, Duke lost six games in a row in the middle of the year, finished seven and six, and oddly, there were six games where Daniel Jones was kind of bad and seven where he's really good. Is that a coincidence? Uh, That's Daniel Jones in a nutshell? (laughs) Uh, I'll allow okay. it. Yeah, yeah. So this isn't the Daniel Jones I think we were expecting to see in 2017, but this is kind of what he was all year long. It's like the perfect—I I don't know—he was an enigma, right? I mean, he was just up and down all year. We didn't know what we were going to get from game to game with him, and this was just inconsistency from Daniel Jones from start to finish. After what was a really promising freshman year, uh, it was a really ugly sophomore year. You could say for sure it was a sophomore slump by his standards. Yeah, if you look at the numbers, just you know, from Miami, Virginia, Florida State, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, Army, Duke lost all of those games. Four of them were within a touchdown. Uh, then they had a blowout loss to Miami and Virginia Tech in there. But Daniel Jones, across those six games, finished with 60% completion or better only twice and combined three touchdowns to six interceptions through the air during those games. Um, I don't think it is – really all that shocking that Duke did not succeed during that time. Uh, also for what it's worth, you know, he's a pretty good dual threat guy. Did not get a lot going on the ground at any of those games uh, was much better in the other seven games that Duke played. And shockingly they won those games. So uh, we got a good helping of good Daniel Jones and bad Daniel Jones this year. And you definitely saw it in the results from Duke. We're going to recap this season, Mike, uh, as, as we mentioned, they finished seven and six. That's not how we predicted them. Uh, I had them at five and seven, getting an APR bull bid because I am a big fan of cop outs. Nice, uh, Mike. You took them at four and eight. Explain what happened here. Four and eight was looking pretty good for a while. Uh, oh, they sure started. Was. They started four and zero. Oh, they lost the next six, and I don't think you or myself uh, thought that they would beat. Go ahead and beat Georgia Tech and Wake Forest to close things out. So the four and eight, five and seven range was looking really good. Um, obviously, they rattled off those two consecutive wins to close the season. Uh, two upset wins, might I add. And then they go to a quick lane bowl and they win that to finish seven and six. So I'll tell you what's a hell of a recovery by David Cutcliffe's team. Uh, and this year that was wildly inconsistent. I saw them in person in Blacksburg in a freaking monsoon at the end of October. Uh, Virginia Tech dominated that game from start to finish. And I looked at Duke and I was like, man, Daniel Jones, it was like a terrible, terrible rainstorm, but Daniel Jones has really regressed. But you know, we saw what he could do down the stretch against good opponents. And when he's playing at his best, Duke's a really formidable team in the ACC. You know, we saw it at the start of the year with those four games that you mentioned off the top. And, you know, they beat Baylor and North Carolina and, and they beat Northwestern, maybe their most impressive one of the year. But yeah, it was just kind of a roller coaster ride for Daniel Jones throughout the year. And, I, you know, for Duke to turn it around like they did and, and still 
get to seven wins, I think is really impressive and a testament to a coaching job that David Cutcliffe did and the fight that the team had because they just never quit throughout the year, even when they lost six straight there in the middle. Yeah, that they were able to rally the troops and come back and, and salvage bowl eligibility is really impressive. I mean, this team was staring down the barrel of missing a bowl game. I'll, I'll tell you how close they were. You know, with two minutes left in the first half against Georgia Tech, they'd just given up their third touchdown on four drives to the Yellow Jackets. Uh, they were down a touchdown, and they they drove the field. Uh, basically, their, their defense had only gotten one stop so far, and it was on an interception. Other than that, I mean, they, they were struggling to catch up at a, you know, ranked it, or currently with four a four and six record. Um, they they did drive the field. They scored a touchdown to tie the game before halftime and, and just ran away with the game in the second half as Georgia Tech started to quit. Took that momentum, carried it into a game against a good Wake Forest team um, and, and managed to win that one as well to get to six wins. An impressive finish to the year. And I think you make the good point that it's a, it's a lot of coaching here that uh, as David Cutcliffe was able to motivate that team, you know, if they've lost six in a row that he kind of kept their goals in front of them and made sure that they were able to get to a bowl game. That was impressive from him and from that staff. Um, very good. And Mike, I, I mentioned the Georgia Tech game. I think you talked about Duke's best win of the year. I think there's, to me, there's two options that stick out, maybe three. Um, the two that stick out to me, Northwestern, in, in week two, Duke beat Northwestern 41-17. That Northwestern team only lost two more games all year. Uh, they finished 10-3. and They were a sneaky good team, and Duke beat the crap out of them. And then I, I mentioned the Georgia Tech game, not because Georgia Tech was a, an exceptionally good team, but because they were able to come back from six straight losses uh, to win that game is impressive from a, a mental focus and coaching standpoint. And I think it's fair to say, too, maybe that a third good option there might be the Wake Forest game the week after, uh, just as good as Wake Forest was at a lot of times this year. Yeah, you, you made all the points there about those three games. Um, I would go with the Wake Forest game on the road to close things out because Daniel Jones had been so up and down all year. He delivered his best performance when his team needed it the most through for 346 yards and two touchdowns in that game. He did have three interceptions, um, but he was able to make things happen on the ground as well. Had a rushing touchdown and three total touchdowns. He you know, was able to put the ball in the air. You know, he threw it 44 times, 345 yards passing. I mean, this. You know, Daniel Jones was much of the reason why they won that football game, despite those three interceptions. Um, he was, you know, the force of that offense in the second half. And that's why, you know, Duke was able to come back and win that game on the road and advance to a bowl game. So I think you can make the argument for that game on the road as well, like you mentioned there at the end. Toughest loss, Mike. I think in my mind, the toughest loss for Duke here was a last second loss to Pitt. Um, Duke held a lead going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Pitt scores. 10 points in the fourth quarter to take a late lead. Duke's driving down to tie the game right on the edge of the red zone, throws an interception with about a minute and a half to go. That was right in the middle. Uh, that was loss number four, basically. And um, it, it was kind of, I think things kind of spiraled a little bit from there because that's where then Virginia Tech the next week beats him by three touchdowns. Um, I look at the Pitt loss as a, as a very tough one. It was a home game. Uh, Pitt wasn't particularly great this year. To lose that game in the way that they did, I think, is is the toughest. But, again, they lost six games, four of them by seven points or less. Like, there's not a lot of easy losses that were there, you know, or just kind of brush it off type losses. If that, Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, it's hard to argue uh, with everything you just mentioned there about that Pittsburgh loss. And the week before was a tough loss as well. 17-10 to 10 to Florida State. Florida State, of course, went 7-6 and six this year as well. And that's a tough one to swallow, too, because you're right in that game against a team that has athletes all over the field that had really struggled all year long. And you look at the full body of work for Florida State, and you see that they're 7-6 and six at the end of the year as well. So that's a game that uh, Daniel Jones and Duke could have easily had. Um, you know, Daniel Jones was actually pretty efficient in that game, 22 of 35 for 204 yards. But, you know, they just didn't make enough plays offensively in that football game to ultimately win. And that led into the Pittsburgh loss the following week, which was rough as well. So, like you mentioned, a lot of close losses in here, so it's hard to nitpick. But I think that stretch with Florida State and Pitt and then going into Virginia Tech with horrible weather and just not really being able to muster anything. Didn't even pass the 50-yard line until middle of the third quarter in that football game. So, oof. It was it was very rough for Duke there in that stretch in October. I'm I'm looking at this, Mike, and I'm I'm trying to reconcile what Duke has become under David Cutcliffe versus what they were prior to Cutcliffe. And I'm looking, and it, to me, it feels like there's a couple of games in here, at least what we've gotten accustomed to under Cutcliffe that they lost that they really shouldn't have, um, and that's Virginia, who was decent, but I don't think really all that good. Uh, and Army, who was, again, also decent. But those are games that I feel like Duke should be winning as good as they've been, as consistent as they've been, as as well coached as they've been. Um, I, is it concerning to you that they, they aren't winning those games as consistently at this point? Or is that just, you know, a couple of blips on the radar? Uh, well, I mean, I guess you could say it's kind of couple blips on the radar. Now, Duke's had a couple of years where it's just kind of been a roller coaster. You know, they missed it miss a bowl game two years ago and then this year they had to scratch and claw to get to one and like you mentioned a lot of close losses in here it really comes down to discipline of your football team now obviously David Cutcliffe like we mentioned job to get his team believing they could make a reason why they won their final three games including that quick lane bowl against Northern Illinois but is it a problem that they're not, that they're not beating teams like Pitt or UVA or Wake Forest consistently or um, Army consistently? Yes. I mean, that's that's a problem. Um, you go into the year and you look at a schedule that Duke has against teams like that, and you're saying right now that those are toss-up games. I think if Duke gets back to winning those games more consistently, we might see the version of Duke that we saw maybe a few years ago where they're competing in the Coastal Division and a real force to be reckoned with in the ACC. I think Duke's really close to that. Um, I, I think, obviously, the offense needs to be a lot more consistent outside of Daniel Jones. Offensive line play. Um, obviously now losing Sean Wilson heading into next season at running back. So they're going to have to find a way to replace that production. And then maybe spreading the wealth a little bit in the passing game to guys other than TJ Roming, who's a fantastic receiver. But, you know, I think a little bit more help for Daniel Jones would be good. And Daniel Jones, quite frankly, needs to be more consistent. Only completed 57% of his passes this year, 14 touchdowns, so 11 interceptions. It's a step back from where he was a year ago, where he was completing 63% of his passes with 16 touchdowns, only nine interceptions. So, he needs to definitely take a step forward as well and lift the entire offense with him. Yeah. I mean, he's got to keep developing. We saw, I, I, I would agree that I think this year was a bit of a step back for Daniel Jones. I mean, he's got to, he's got to get back to what he was as a freshman and even better. Um, but at the very least, I would say that if you were consistently making a bowl game at Duke, you are doing something right um, relative to the history of that program, especially over the last uh, 20, 25 years. Cutcliffe by by far the best thing that's ever happened to Blue Devils. I don't I don't know what it would take at this point to get Cutcliffe on the hot seat at Duke. I don't I don't know that he ever would be. I think that he's going to coach there as long as he wants to, and they'll have him as long as he wants to be there. 
And then one day he'll either retire or take another job, but probably more likely retire. Um, what would it take, Mike, if you're a Duke fan, what would it take to put David Cutcliffe on the hot seat? Uh, it would take you being on your high horse, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the thing about Cutcliffe is that, you know, he brought this program from three wins, four wins to consistently being in contention for a bowl berth to being in bowl games and winning bowl games. I mean, we got to understand the ceiling for this Duke program. David Cutcliffe's in his early 60s. Like you mentioned, the next step for him outside of coaching Duke is probably retirement. But David Cutcliffe could go anywhere and he could be, you know, coaching a lot better athletes. And, you know, he could have a lot. He was asked uh, for interest from Tennessee. Yeah, he was. And you know what? In my mind, David Cutcliffe's an outstanding coach. So I think David Cutcliffe could go to a big time program. I mean, Duke plays in the ACC, but, you know, there's a reason why we're talking about Duke in the context of seven and six Uh, and having that be a great season. I mean, they're being talked about in that context because they're historically not a great football program. Uh, But David Cutcliffe could go anywhere in theory, and there are a lot of schools that would love to have him as their head coach. And he wants to be at Duke. He wants to continue to develop the players within that program. I think that says something about the kind of guy David Cutcliffe is, the kind of loyalty he has to Duke, how much he loves Duke. And for fans to maybe conceivably think that David Cutcliffe should be on the hot seat anytime in the near future, I think would be crazy because you don't know who you're going to attract after David Cutcliffe. So you just got to ride this wave, honestly, and just, you know, be happy with what you got with your football program. Cause Duke is, and always will be a basketball school, at least as long as coach K's institution there, uh, as far as basketball at Duke is concerned, uh, is still in place. So, Hey, be happy with seven and six. Be happy that you're able to get to bowl games and be happy that you're able in some years to contend for an ACC Coastal Division. Because, I mean, look, the Coastal was pretty wide open this year. I mean, it was. Miami ended up pulling away there at the end, but it was a wide open division all year long. And Duke wins a couple of these closer games. And all of a sudden, we're talking about Duke being eight and four, nine and three, and a team in contention in the Coastal Division to go to an ACC championship. So I think you got to be happy with that if you're a Duke fan. While we're talking about it, super weird context here, by the way, in the Coastal Division, Virginia and Duke finished fifth and sixth, respectively, in the standings, made bowl games. Georgia Tech and Pitt finished third and fourth, did not make bowl games. It's wild. The third and fourth best teams in the Coastal by the standings did not make bowl games. The fifth and sixth did. So, yes, point being that, yes, it is very wide open uh, and and anything can happen in a given year. And you saw that in 2014 when Duke went and played in the ACC title game. Um, I, I think it's very clear that Cut has uh, earned his keep at Duke. He will stay there as long as he wants. I don't, I don't think anybody's talking about any potential hot seat situation, any firing kind of situation. No way. He, he's going to be there for a long time, and it's, it's good. You know, it, Duke is better for it. Um, if you've learned anything, you know, taking a, a 30,000 foot look at college football over the last decade, two decades, three decades, it's, it's what Bill Conley from SB Nation talks about a lot is that uh, if you have a coach that's really starting to elevate your program and you think that at some point you think that it's not enough and somebody else can elevate it further, you're probably wrong. Uh, that basically almost never works. So don't, don't mess with it. Mike 2018 for Duke. Better or worse than 2017? Uh, Daniel Jones will be a junior. It's got to be better, right? Because now there's going to be no more sophomore slump. I, was, I mean, we said that last year, right? Like, oh, he's coming back for a sophomore year. He's the best quarterback in the in the Coastal. He's better, right? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. 
Uh, should be better. They should be better. I mean, really, they should be better. Totally. No, they should. Um, they they lose a couple of offensive linemen. They lose Sean Wilson uh, at the running back position. They lose a couple of guys on offense on defense. But overall, Duke brings back a lot next year, uh, and and should be quite a bit better. I think. Um, we'll see if the, if the proverbial tide is rising around them in the coastal division as as Pitt kind of makes a rebound and North Carolina kind of makes a rebound and uh, Georgia Tech looks to make a rebound a little bit, but. Um, I, I expect Duke to be better next year. I, I think you could be talking about a seven-eight win type of season. Uh, we can look real quick at the uh, at their matchups next year: uh, Army, Northwestern, Baylor, and NC Central in the out of conference. That's the exact same as it was this year. It's just home against Army, road against Northwestern and Baylor. Um, that's a couple of tough road trips, especially back to back in September uh, at Northwestern and at Baylor. So be careful with those. Uh, they've also got home games, Virginia Tech, Virginia, North Carolina, Wake Forest on the road at Georgia Tech, Pitt, Miami, and Clemson. Um, that's a tough road slate. I'm not going to lie, Mike. Um, Georgia Tech, Miami, Clemson, That there's a lot of reason to think that that's three losses um, right out the gate. And then, I mean, you start looking at road trips to Northwestern and Baylor, this could be a situation where Duke is better than they were. Uh, 2018 Duke is better than 2017 Duke, but has a worse record than 2017 Duke did. Is that fair? Uh, that's fair, but I think before we judge the entirety of their season, you and I should go to the road game at Northwestern. 1,700 tickets available Ooh. from four bucks on StubHub. Oh, hell yeah. So if you want to uh, buy a case of beer, it's a little bit more expensive than our football tickets. We can just head out there. and um, Biggest expense, plane tickets, right? I could, buy, say, I, guess. I could buy one decent beer at a bar and it would be more expensive than those tickets. Yeah, that's right. Good grief. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I agree. Because you can get so entirety of the season, right? You have, like you mentioned, exact same out of conference schedule, two semi-tough road games. Northwestern should be pretty good again. Um, Baylor can't get much worse. So you got to think they'll be better. Uh, the Army game is winnable. It's at home. It's the opener. Uh, NC Central, obviously, they they won that game. I think sixty Easy. to six this year, so that's <laughs> mm-hmm. should be a win. Um, I'm thinking out of conference, you got to go at least three and one, Joey, and I think it's feasible um, because of the road slate you mentioned at Georgia Tech, at Miami, at Clemson, three very difficult road games at Pitt. Uh, you know, Pitt should definitely be better next year as well. So that's another you know road game at the end of October that definitely won't be easy. Home games are no walk in the park either. Um, Virginia Tech will be very good. Uh, Virginia should be about the same, uh, maybe a little bit worse. That game could be gettable, but North Carolina will definitely better be better. And I think Wake Forest, even though they lose John Wolford, should be pretty good next year as well. So, I mean, it's not an easy schedule for Duke. Um, you know, we'll, we'll preview the games this summer and, and the seasons for, you know, all these teams in the ACC. But I think Duke is... You know, they're in position with the talent they have if they play a little bit better than they did this year to get to seven or eight wins and maybe not sweat it out as much at the end of the year like they did this year. I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment. I I think I agree. Um, I I think it's the way that this lays out, you know, home and away, getting the crossover game against Clemson, you know, North Carolina pit kind of bouncing back a little bit. 
it's not hard to imagine that this is a, a fight for bowl eligibility for Duke next year, but they do have the weapons coming back again on both sides of the ball, lots of experience and, and lots to build on. So um, I think it sets up to be a decent 2018 for, for the blue devils uh, and their head coach, David Cutcliffe, and maybe their junior quarterback, Daniel Jones too. We'll have to see if he uh, gets better or worse. Hey, if we get good, if we get good Daniel Jones, Duke could be pretty good. Oh, the sky's the limit there. Um, I, I mean, that guy does it both in the run game and the passing game. I mean, he he is the the entire uh, the the straw that stirs the drink, as it were. Nice uh, for the Duke offense. Yeah, that's right. Uh, cheers to that, dilly dilly, yep. dilly uh, dilly. <laughs> Mike, that's enough on Duke, I think. Yes, is that fair. Yes, let's let's get out of here. Uh, in the meantime, you guys can come find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email to the longest email address, no demand basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, and wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us in the social medias? Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. Please do. And if you ever have the inclination to watch a video of us and see what we look like and what's in our room and this cool painting behind me, uh, you can find us on iTunes even or on you, you should go find us on iTunes, but the videos are on YouTube. Uh, go search for basketball conference on YouTube. We, uh, we have our own little page there. Uh, we'll be broadcasting these live. If you want to come watch them in, in progress, I don't know who wants to do that with their Thursday night, but Hey, you know, do what you want to do. Uh, Mike, this has been fun. Anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. Bye. Sounds good. Well, let's come back soon and recap some more of these teams. But uh, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.